they went into an area and we found these galbers. We walked way in there to the bottom and and uh, we found out where these turkeys were at. And called them up and they skirted and stayed away from us about 70, 80 yards. They went into the woods below us. I could tell another gobbler beyond them was gobbling and started calling to him and not paying attention to other turkeys. And here they came back and he took the Montana strutting decoy, flipped it out. I had him to crawl out to the edge of the field and I'd done some aggressive hen and cutting and gobbling. Here he came to him. He shot him. Hmm. That's a good hunt. That was good. You saw it. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good hunt. Yeah. So the final gobbler that I kill in Missouri... Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb Wise Eye presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. We're in the studio here today with Red Bull Mike Crace and Wayne Locke, and we are live also on American Roots Outdoors Facebook, and uh, this show is dedicated to this past spring. It's still spring. We've got a lot of dates, season dates coming open, squirrel hunting, fishing, etc. Redbone's going to talk about that, but the title of this show is called Recap of Spring with Alex Rutledge and Friends. Redbone's got some announcements to make. Okay, I do. And uh, some of them take effect today if you're listening to this uh, show on Saturday. Uh, Missouri Department of Conservation encourages the public to discover nature by squirrel hunting and black bass fishing. Both seasons open Saturday, May 22nd. Um, Eastern gray and fox squirrels, uh, the season runs May 22nd through February the 15th of next year. Uh, Allowed methods include shotguns, rifles, and other legal firearm methods, as well as archery equipment, slingshots, and atlatls. And Alex, have you ever killed a squirrel with a bow? I have killed several squirrels with a bow. I'll never forget uh, shooting some red squirrels one time, big old fox squirrels, Mm -hmm. and putting them in my mom's freezer, and she flipped out. (laughs) I did that as a kid. You know those little fiberglass bows they made when you were kids? (laughs) Yeah. I'd kill squirrels in the front yard. Mom gets so mad. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway. I was proud of the kill, you know, because yeah, it was exactly. a bow kill. I thought it was being manly. I was only eight yeah. years old. Um, yeah. Anyway, daily limit for hunting and trapping is 10. Possession limit is 20. Hunters can harvest squirrels uh, with your archery hunting, daily small game, small game hunting and fishing, and small game hunting. Now, with the uh, bass, Alex, uh Smallmouth bass season opens again Saturday, May 22nd, which is today in most of our area. And it runs through February of 2022. Of course, black bass can be found in most streams south of the Missouri River. They can be caught and released legally throughout the year anywhere in the state. And legal-sized bass may be kept all year long from impoundments and streams with no close season. What? What it says here. Uh, in most state waters, the daily limit on black bass is six. Fish taken from most rivers and streams must be 12 inches long. Additional regulations may apply to specific waters or areas. Uh, anglers must have a valid fishing permit or be exempt for some reason. And, and I guess the thing to do is to check where you fish because there are some differences in the regulations. Huh. Huh. I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do they have an archery season now for squirrel hunting? <laughs> well, you can take squirrels by archery. I know. But not one just specially for archery, no. Unless you like, you know, they ought ought to have like a, I don't know, you know those little miniature archery sets? They ought to have one of those. (laughs) Season just for your your mini bows. (laughs) All right, and of course, uh, free fishing days are coming up in Missouri, uh, June 12th and 13th. You do not have to have a permit. All other rules do apply, and I can't stress that enough. Well, free fishing weekend, 
You don't have to have a license. They were, they're encouraging people, giving them an opportunity to get out and fish for those two days. But you still have to follow all the rules. Yes, yes. There you go. Yeah. But anyway, MDC is doing a great job most of the time. Some of the time? <laughs> most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time? Yeah, I mean, they've done so so much good stuff. I mean, I'm I'm excited for the bear thing coming up, you know, to see what I, that, I think Did tags. Did you apply for a tag? It, it's on the first, right? That's when it opened up. Month. Right, that's what I'm saying. It, start, it opened up on the first, right? Runs yeah, through runs the whole month. the end of the month. Yes. So yeah. you only got like 10 days left. Right. Yeah. So it's for apply. in residence only. It's for residence only. Residence only. only. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of that, uh, a friend of mine posted a picture on his Facebook page last night. He had a bear in his backyard yesterday. Lives on K Highway just outside of West Plains. And it was a cinnamon colored bear. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was gorgeous. He said it wouldn't let me pet him. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of uh, uh, color phase bear, a uh, friend of ours, uh, Alex and ours, uh, Corey, he uh, sent me one on uh, his uh, trail cam. Mm-hmm. Same thing, color phase bear. I was like, that is a beautiful bear. And he says, he goes, yeah, you see it now. He says, you'll never see it when the season opens. But I just got, I just got a picture of a bear recently in the last two or three days on my place. Really? Yeah. This one was in this guy's backyard. He has a he has a big archway with a bird feeder hanging in it, mm-hmm. and the bear was laying under the bird feeder. He was sitting there with his mouth open like this. <laughs> That's about like right. This. He got two pictures of him. He was within like 30, 40 yards. I mean, just right there in the backyard. Yeah. Wow. He got some really good pictures, and then the bear got up and ran off. He got a picture of it leaving. So. Oh. Yeah, we, so got lot, go. we got lots I'm going to talk bear. to him about if I get drawn, if I can come hunting his back porch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a minute. You'll get a citation because you're hunting over feed. You cannot hunt over feed. Oh, he'll have to take his bird feeders down. Well, is it is it is it hunting over feed though? If if I put on like uh, peanut butter, you know, flavored uh, deodorant, I mean, I'm just curious. Is that considered hunting over feed? I mean, I'll just rub a little peanut butter. Say, hey, it's supposed to be keep you from sweating. You know, I didn't know. You yeah. know, I mean, you can tell why it's yeah. from feed. <laughs> well, I know it keeps the bears out of my place because, like I said right. last year, I yeah, rub- the bears will eat well, you. It'll be, a, but that's I know the peanut butter works because I rub it all over Alex's door to keep him off my property. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was thinking about like making peanut butter sandwiches to take for lunch, right? And then just accidentally drop them. Absolutely, <laughs> it fell out of the tree stand. Oh man, I can't get it now. <laughs> See, there's a little baggie says Mike C right on it. I'm not right. I'm not. I'm not feeding the bear. I'm feeding the squirrels. Uh, I hope there's no game wars. That never works. That never does. Never does. That would never work. Yeah, we're we're kidding, of course, about all that. Right. But it is kind of exciting, and it's also the time right now, Wayne, to to put in if you want to get an elk tag. That's right. Next fall. Yeah. Yep. You have to do that before and, the end of the month. Let's talk about how they do that, Redmond. Tell us. Uh, well, you, you, you make application. There's a small fee to apply, mm-hmm. and then there's a random drawing. And if you get drawn, then you pay for the tag, and, and you uh, you get to hunt. I think they're doing, uh, well, five elk again. Yes. And I think they're, uh, there's going to be a limit on the bears. I don't know how many it is. I forget. It's like two hundred. Well, sh- I think for the zone that Shannon County's in was fifty. I I, I do remember that. Whatever zone yeah, that we're yeah, in, yeah. there was fifty. But, but for then, that there, zone. but then there's a statewide total. Two hundred fifty is what I think we had discussed before. Yeah, I before. think something like yeah. that. But then you have to call in every day before right. you go hunting. Yep. To make sure that there's still bears allowed Tags to be, available, to be right. tagged. Yep. Yeah. So just like Arkansas does. It. Right. Just like Arkansas does. And the fact that I think it's a, it's nice that you don't have to pay for your upfront for your tag and then get that re, you know sent back to you because like New Mexico, right. when you apply for elk in New Mexico and you're an out of state person. You have to pay the whole you have fee. To pay the whole of time. fee. Yep. Nine hundred dollars right off the bat, and then if you don't get drawn, then they send you your your money back yep. minus the application fee. 
Okay. All right. Well, we're going to talk uh, turkey hunting for the rest of the show. We're going to talk spring recap, a spring recap of Missouri turkey season and other states that we've been on. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about the tactics that made us successful on several different hunts. And uh, we we, we had a good spring, even though southern Missouri was really, really rough. Mm -hmm. And I believe our numbers are really down. We're going to talk about that and why we think those numbers are down. And uh, we're going to share what we did this past spring. We're going to go to a break, everybody. Don't go away. We'll be back with more right after this. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use Wise Eye. Up a big old hill. Year after year. Got my hunting Wise Eye presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. Alex Rutledge, your host, along with my co-host and producers and brand managers, uh, Mr. Wayne Locke and Redbone Mike Crace. And the title of this show is Recap of Spring with Alex Rutledge and Friends. Uh, You know, we kicked off our spring this year uh, here in Missouri. Started out in Missouri, and I was on the road from January the 8th to April 16th. Had seven nights home total. From those four months, I figured that right. That sounds about right. Yeah. So I didn't have much time to scout, but I depended on my wise eye cameras to send me pictures of what turkeys was coming in on my property. And if you haven't tried wise eye cameras, I encourage each and every one of you to go to wiseeyetechnologies.com or wiseeyesmartcam.com. Check them out. They'll do all kinds of things for you, scouting for you. Also, you can use them as surveillance cameras on your properties and catch thieves. You can catch bears, whatever it may be. (laughs) Or if you live anywhere near me, coyotes. You're going to get tons of coyotes. Yeah. Bobcat, too. You had some bobcats. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we shot two bobcats in our yard in broad daylight in the last uh, four months in our yard trying to get to our chickens. Yep. But anyway, here's the recap. Started out in Missouri. Uh, you know, we've had cool weather coming here, damp, wet stuff, guys. And uh, the first, I've done some pre-scouting on Friday, went on Mark Twain National Forest, and I went to a location where a friend of mine told me where some birds is at. And believe it or not, it's the best morning I had of hearing the most gobblers, and I heard 10 different turkeys hmm. In that area, but it was next to somebody else's land, which I knew they've got uh, some gummy bears over there, if you know what I mean by gummy bears, Mm -hmm. probably why they was all in that area. So anyway, I had two friends come in from uh, one from Maryland and one from Colorado, 75 and 76 year old men. Yeah, I think that's it. And I met them. I helped them get a campus spot. Uh, Went on the first hunt with them on opening day. 
went into where we thought the birds was at on the Mark Twain National Forest, set up on them about 150 yards, started calling to them. They started gobbling like crazy to us, responding to us. One comes a little closer, and uh, being on Mark Twain National Forest, you know how people are. They will wade in on you, so had the guy to wade in on us and kind of messed the deal up, which pushed the turkeys to the private landowner's land, and uh, we but, heard a but shot. That's, yeah, but that's public hunting. That's I mean, public yeah, hunting. That's just what you're going to have to deal with. And yeah, it's kind of expect it. Right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we stayed there and moved up back up the ridge towards the base camp, and one of those turkeys that had goblin earlier, I got him a goblin again later that morning, called him in to about 35 yards, and my buddy missed the turkey. <laughs> Missed him, 35 yards, wide open shot. Uh, it happens. It does. So uh, we hunted that area a couple more days. Never did work another turkey, but to sum it all up, uh, I ended up harvesting my two birds, killing my two gobblers. And the first one I killed, uh trying to remember where I killed Oh, I killed it here in uh, uh, Shannon County area. Uh, sat down as a timber hunt. Uh, got on the gobbler and actually tried to work him two different days. And every time he'd gobble one or two times on the roost, hit the ground, shut up. Hens. Yeah. Lots of hens. So <laughs> I went in the third day on him. Him and another turkey was gobbling. He was gobbling his brains out. As soon as he hit the ground, he went north like a rocket gobbling. Because like he, he had nitro. He knew where the hens were. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I left my date So back there I had yesterday. to walk a half a mile back to my truck, get in my truck, drive all the way around the property. And using Onyx, they're not a sponsor, by the way, everybody. If you do not have Onyx, you need to check out Onyx because it will show you the property owners, how where you're at on the map. And you don't got to worry about crossing somebody's fence. It'll show exactly where you're at. Which is real helpful in public land, Mm -hmm. so you don't accidentally cross into the backside of somebody's private land. Yeah. So anyway, I I guesstimated where I thought he was at, and I parked the truck and didn't walk 100 yards up to my area and walked in the woods, not another 100 yards, and he's gobbling. He's right there. So I sat down, didn't even have time to set a decoy up, and uh, started working the turkey, and he'd come in. It took me about... 15, 20 minutes to close the deal, but he wanted to hang up at 70, 80 yards, Redbone, as huh. they all do. And he hung up forever there, and I put some sweet melodies in his ear, and he broke, and he came. So closed the deal, shot him in like 43 yards with a 20-gauge shooting apex turkey loads. Uh, it's all self-filmed. Uh, great footage, great audio. You saw it, one. Oh, yeah. 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 So we closed the deal there. Then on my second gobbler that I called in for a boy over in Mansfield area, went into an area with him, a friend of mine, Eli Long, owns a construction business, excavating, landscaping, et cetera, builds houses. They went into an area, and we found these gobblers, and we walked way in there to the bottom, and and, uh, we found out where these turkeys at, called them up, and they skirted and stayed away from us about 70, 80 yards. They went into the woods below us. I could tell another gobbler beyond them was gobbling and started calling to him and not paying attention to other turkeys. And here they came back, and he took the Montana strutting decoy, flipped it out. I had him to crawl out to the edge of the field, and I'd done some aggressive hen and cutting and gobbling. Here he came to him, and he shot him. Hmm. That's a good hunt. That was good. You saw it. Yeah, that's a good That's a good hunt. Yeah. So the final gobbler that I kill in Missouri, uh, last day of season, 
hunted a total of 16 days total in Missouri Spring Turkey Season. There's 21 days. Other days I was somewhere else or something else going on. Uh, only worked turkey six of the 16 days, Wayne. That's not surprising. With the turkey numbers being as bad as they are, it's not surprising. Yeah. So I go to Kentucky the last week of season. I leave on a Wednesday, get a phone call to take young hunter, successful youngest child that we know of to harvest the Grand Slam. Yeah, Knox. Kentucky. Knox. Did it all in a month. Done it all in a month, he did. So, anyway, I go meet them in Kentucky. We, I kill one in Kentucky. Comes across 400 yards, open planted cornfield. Unbelievable footage. Uh, comes to the hen decoy, and I shoot him at 40 yards. Apex turkey loads, eight and a half ninja turkey loads. They do the number. You'll see it on video. But, anyway, close that deal, then we uh, call in one for Knox. He comes in. He shoots a Super Jake. We closed that deal over the decoy, great footage. And uh, on my way back from Kentucky, my wise eye camera sending me pictures of three different gobblers, and it's Saturday, <laughs> and Sunday's the last day. So I see three different gobblers on my cameras, and I thought, well, I'll get up in the morning if it ain't raining too hard and try to kill one of those gobblers on my farm since so there's three there. So I get up before daylight, and it's thunder and lightning, if you all remember Sunday. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was bad. So I went back to bed and got up about 7 30, 8 o'clock and stayed around the house there and drank a cup of coffee, visited with my wife and daughter a little bit. The rain broke a, the rain broke a little bit, and it's like the Holy Spirit told me, Alex, get your camo on. Go to this area. I put my camo on, went to that area, and I'm no more pulling into where I'm going to stop, and I hear, <laughs> he's gobbling over the top of the the, the golf cart i literally walked 50 yards and called the turkey and called him 12 times and shoot him at 35 mm-hmm. yards hmm. so that was missouri wow and uh it's been pretty successful we're gonna go to a break when i get back we're gonna talk about well you, i think one of the things we should talk about and and for all those first time turkey hunters this year if you didn't get a turkey alex is going to explain to you what you probably did wrong to not get a turkey, and it comes down to really one thing, and it's the same as deer season, scent control. He thought that was funny. <laughs> Redbone, did you think that was funny? No. No. Not hey, at all. If, if, if turkeys You're had hurting the, our ratings, Wayne. If, if, if turkeys had the scent of a, of a white-tailed deer. He's from deer, Cleveland. <laughs> we would never Cleveland. kill him. There's only been one person from, from Cleveland ever that was funny, and that's Drew Carey. Drew so, Carey. Wayne, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> we go to break. We'll be back. Hi, everybody. This is Brad Harris. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Up a big old Wise Eye presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors radio show, podcast talk show. And we're covering recaps of spring with Alex Rutledge and friends. And if you missed the first segment here, or second segment, uh, Alex was talking about the recap of Missouri season. Right. And, uh, and, and how tough it was. In Kentucky. Right. And you had a t- and he and uh, Alex had a tough time and uh, along with everybody pretty much in southern Missouri had a tough time and we talked about that in last week's um, episode or uh, you know showed that why some of the the reasons that we've had that the numbers are down and one of the things we uh, that MDC has disclosed is that uh, 
with the repopulation, reintroduction of the turkeys back in the 50s and 60s, you know, they thought it was going to reach its peak and then kind of settle off. But it didn't just settle off. It actually yeah, it just kept on, keep, kept, keeps going down. And they, they haven't quite figured out why. And they're looking at now as part of the reason being the nesting. So, you know, one of the things that MDC is going to be doing this year and into next year in uh, correlation with the um, uh, Missouri University right. uh, is they're going to be putting backpacks on the female turkey, on the hen turkeys. And they're going to be able to track them, find out where they're nesting, why they're nesting there, how long they're staying there. And if there's a, a weather condition that happens, what effect does that have? Do they relocate their nest? Are they just done and, the, and they will not lay any more eggs? So they're really taking a different look and different approach to try and figure out if the habitat is the reason. Yeah, and also trying to figure out just how much of an impact predators are having. Right. Uh, which is was a, a huge deal. And something else I brought up, and Alex, I don't, you weren't with us last week when we were talking about this. Uh, I was reading an article the other day that says one of the issues is the number of farmers that have begun, and this is not a knock on this, yeah. but have begin, begun using chicken litter for fertilizer because the chicken litter will kill the turkeys. Yes, yes. There's a lot of talk about that. I also want to say this. This is my opinion, and uh, I talk to everybody across the country and asking how many birds did you hear uh, did you hear many turkeys? And, and I've got a good feel. There was good numbers in certain areas in southern Missouri, only certain areas. Overall, consistently, the numbers was not good, just certain areas. Then you talk to an agent, an agent would say, oh, we got lots of turkeys. Yeah, <laughs> Not the agent in Oregon County. He no. said, we don't have any turkeys. Hey, we don't have any, right. <laughs> and, here, and here's the thing, Alex, and this is something for Missouri turkey hunters to, to think about. We still harvested almost 35,000 turkeys. Mm -hmm. There are about 40 other states that would die to have 40,000 turkeys total, That's much right. less harvested in a year. Yeah. Missouri turkey hunters have been somewhat spoiled over the watch years. Now. Now well, watch it now. Watch it. Arkansas. Watch it. Yeah, Arkansas only had 4,000, was it? 7,000. Or 7,000. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Less, less, a little less than 8,000 right. total, counting the youth season. Right. So, you know, it's, it's not what it was in Missouri, but it's still better than most everywhere else. And it never will be what it was. And that's one of the things MDC is trying to get the you know, hunters to understand is it's never going to be there because we overshot. Yeah, we're never going to kill 60,000 birds right. in one year, which is the record. Right. Yeah. We, 64,000, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little over 60,000. Uh, yeah. uh, Missouri overshot their population. And, yeah, if and I remember so right. it'll never be the way it was in the, the early 2000s and that. It's going to settle down. And to have a, a year, year after year after year of these kind of numbers would be fantastic. Yeah. I think they're, I think that they actually would like to settle. I think the number was around 45. Mm hmm. If, if they could harvest 45,000 and have that type of population. And some of it is, you know, maybe the hunters. Uh, because of the guys that I know that turkey hunt religiously, they all fill both tags. Now, the ones that just go out on a weekend and just do it every once in a while and don't stay after it, they didn't have as much success. Yeah, yeah you definitely yeah. had to hunt hard for them this year. Yeah. And more yeah. people were back to work this year than yeah. were last year. Right. All right, here's my opinion of why our turkey numbers are down. I'm going to give you some several factors in my opinion. Number one, predators. Definitely predators. Raccoons, bobcats, coyotes, fox, crows, crows, busting the nest, sucking the yolk out of the eggs, uh, hawks. Owls. Also, people shooting more than they're supposed to. That's a, that's a nemesis. Yeah. And not tagging or checking their birds. Yep. Uh, here's one big one for you. Eagles. Eagles kill turkeys in the winter. 
promise you. Yeah, do, and then they kill them for food or kill them because they don't like them? They kill them for food. Okay. They kill them for food. And uh, that's some of the reasonings right there. That's my opinion. And I think wet springs, wet springs has affected the nesting. I think there's a lot of factors why our turkey numbers are where they're at today. Yeah, it's also one of the things that uh, MDC was talking about uh, is that with the nesting, you know, because with the turkey only having a the brain the size of a pea, uh, a marble or whatever, they, um, it's not like that hen goes over to the river bank and says, hey, I'm going to be close to food, I'm going to be close to water, this is where I'm going to build my, you know, my little nest and everything because it's the perfect spot. All they, you know, that they see the food, they see the water, they don't think, hey, what if that water rises? What, what, what if the water disappears? You know, let's go the other route. You know, if you have a drought, you know, what damage is that going to do? They, they can't think that far ahead. All they want to know is, do right I now. have a spot where I have water? Am I close to food? And do I have cover? That's all they care about. And so they're really, they're really hammering into this whole nesting thing as that's being an issue of why the population continues to go down. Yeah. And don't know if there's any way to fix that. Right. I mean, you can't program that into the brains no into the brains of a turkey and look at northern missouri what happened there just a few years ago with all those Mm -hmm. floods and they finally now i mean they went a couple years they said people were saying they didn't even see jakes because there were no jakes yeah there was no hatch (laughs) there was no hatch right no no i also want to say as you talk about the flooding and the nesting etc here's the big toe taker too when you say rain flooding the pulse once they hatch they have done a study in some other states and it shows poults that get rained on after they're hatched. They get chilled. Mm-hmm. Right. And that kills them. Yeah, and that'll happen to chickens. I mean, I, I lost a couple of baby chicks when I took them down out of the cage and, and put them in with my other chickens. Uh, they didn't They didn't know to go inside when it started raining, and they got chilled at night, and, and, they, and they died just overnight. So, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, turkey poults would be the same way. Yeah, and that's the, but that's why, again, that's why the turkeys will have 10 eggs in a nest because it's, I, I want to say— um, uh, Mortality rate. Is yeah, Rihanna high. was only saying that it was like twenty-two percent make it mm-hmm. out of out of a nest, and you know it's a high mortality rate. But that's also why they lay you know ten eggs. They're not just doing two eggs yeah. and getting both to survive. All right, so Alex, we got about a minute left in this segment. So I'm going to ask you this as a turkey okay. professional: uh, Do you think MDC should do something about the season? And there are some just suggestions out there: shorten it back to two weeks, like it was originally, and only let hunters harvest one bird. All right. I've given this a lot of thought. And one other, before you get into that. One other. Also, do away with the fall season. Okay. Because people are killing hens in the fall. I give this a lot of thought. For the future of Missouri turkey season, southern Missouri, and I may make some people upset, but it is what it is. This is just my opinion. We need to shorten the season in certain parts of southern Missouri, all across below 44 Highway, in my opinion. Allow one turkey, two-week season. Two-week season. That's what, my what, what if it could be set up to where it was a two-week season but included two weekends or three weekends? Uh, that's possible. That would definitely benefit the weekend hunter. You know, and maybe, maybe a little more than two weeks but not a full three weeks. Right. Start on a Saturday, end on a Sunday, Sunday. after that yeah. third weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And definitely help the people that are you know working Monday through Friday can yeah. get out weekends. You know, yeah. Why punish them? But as far as the fall turkey – uh, that is another thing that, and you know, uh, Rihanna was talking about is that the fall turkey hunting numbers are mm-hmm. are not enough to even cause an effect. Yeah, it, on it really, it. They, there's just not enough harvested. Yeah, really. So they said, why take away uh, something from a hunter that's not going to have a dramatic impact? If it's right. not going to have an impact, let the hunters hunt. That's what they're. That's what they're there for. At least that M- MDC knows about. 
Yes. And and that's kind of the, the unknown, the X factor is hunters don't know. Right. You know, some there are some hunters, let's face it, just aren't checking them. Save those thoughts. We're going to a break, everybody. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Do not go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Water with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Round your heart so you never got to worry what the wind might do. Hi, everybody. This is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. How many of you need an attorney? If you're like me, sometimes you do. I go to Zane Prevet at the Prevet Law Office, Willow Springs, Missouri. No case is too big or too small. You can call Zane at 417-469-3535. Zane Prevet at the Brevet Law Office. This is Alex Rutledge, and he is my attorney. Wise Eye presents, welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. Alex Rutledge in the studio with my co-producers and directors and brand managers. We've been talking about Recap of Spring, talking about successful turkey hunts and sharing our thoughts on why turkey numbers are so bad across the south especially southern missouri and uh, we left with that wayne and redbone and i talking about uh, different things predators eagles hawks uh, birds not being checked Arkansas youth coming up to Missouri to hunt. (laughs) (laughs) Again, that wasn't funny. Anyway, no, everybody laughed on that one. (laughs) Oh, Wayne did. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas, that is funny. Yeah. But anyway, everybody, uh, went to Kentucky. I'm going to go there. I went to Kentucky and, and got the gobblers harvested there for Little Knox, the youngest boy to ever accomplish the grand slam four years old there's another four-year-old boy that mossy oak posted on their page you see that no. wayne that said he completed his slam and uh, they looked at the birthday dates knox is younger than him so there you go. knox still <laughs> is holding the title so Matt, i did see there was an 11 year old uh got posted one of the turkey uh groups uh he, he completed his slam i mean that, and that's fantastic to see these kids out not only just turkey hunting and getting out with their parents and doing this kind of stuff, uh-huh. but the fact they're setting goals. And they, you know, especially yeah. like the 11 year old, I mean, he knows what yeah. he's doing now. And I'm yeah. glad to hear that, uh, you know, Knox's dad is, it's more than just about the slam. It's, yeah. it's about, you know, the experience, about the hunting, the tradition. Mm-hmm. He's really passing a lot of information on. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, and I, you got to commend all the fathers and mothers out there teaching their kids about the outdoors and letting them hunt and become a, a, a shooter. Right. Yeah. So that being said, uh, after that, uh, left Missouri, went to southern Georgia with Miss Lizzie Long. And y'all seen that. What do you think about all that? That you got to watch the live feeds last night. What did you think of Gobbler number one, Redbone? Yeah, I didn't I didn't see it. I was at my granddaughter's graduation okay. from okay. preschool into kindergarten. Yeah. All right. Now, I, I'm going to call you out on this. I'm going to bust your chops. My brand manager, director, Brand manager, neither one of them watched my live feed last night. What should I do? Hold it at a different time, not during bath time of a two-year-old and four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they 
got me. Yeah, they're not, they got me. Or not during graduation. Right. <laughs> hey, at least they were able to have a graduation this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, from high school right on down. Right. So anyway, and preschool graduation was so fun. So anyway, and shout out, shout out to all the graduates this year. Yep. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yes. Got to. Congratulations to everybody that graduated. And uh, I remember my graduation year. I had to pass one other class before they'd give me my diploma. What year did you graduate? 82. Okay, that's right. You are a lot older than me. That's yeah, right. That's I right. Forgot. Yeah. But you look <laughs> older than me, Wayne. Don't even ask me because I'm. Uh, yeah, you're 73. 79. Now? 79. 1979 was the graduation oh. year. Oh, he's not 79. Oh, that was a good I'm not 79. That was graduated in the year that Charlie Daniels came out with The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Yeah, and you had a 70 Chevelle Supersport. Uh, yes, I did. That 70 Chevelle Supersport with 350, and it would fly. I bet did it would. Did you have a mullet? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> Not, not, not so much inhale. anymore. I ask you, did you inhale? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but not in 1979. 77 and 78, yes, but not in 79. <laughs> uh, but you know what? We all grew up in the 70s, which mm-hmm. was, uh, to me, still the best era out there, especially uh, be- music. Best era for music, absolutely. Yep. Hey, I got an announcement. Howard Farms says, my opinion is to either go to one bird limit and a shortened season or close the season altogether for a couple of years. Share your thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, overpopulation. I think I think closing the season for, for a couple of years would, would then cause the same problem in, in the other direction. Mm-hmm. It would be an overpopulation and the birds would starve. All right. Your opinion? I'll go with that. I think I, I do like the fact of taking and cutting down numbers in certain zones where the zones are affected. And I'll give you a prime example. Like in Ohio, we had one date. It was four weeks long from April 15th to May 15th every single year. That's what it was. Then they did some studies and they found that in the northeast section, right off of Lake Erie where you always got those horrible snowstorms and that, they found that the birds there nested two weeks later than the rest of the state. So they took those three counties that are on the east uh, right there of – the Lake Erie changed the date just for those three counties and what a difference it made in just two years. The numbers of turkeys uh, that were being harvested shot way up. But I would be available the, the two-week season and maybe take away one bird. On a, on a, maybe I a, do like Maybe that. on a five-year basis, something like that, mm-hmm. and, then, and then reevaluate. And, Alex, here's one of the things about taking it away completely, and this is an amazing thing. The coyotes breed according to the amount of food. And, Alex, you know, we've had a guest on here, and I forget what his name was, but he told us that when coyotes have puppies, because I asked him, how many, how many, you know, no, it wasn't Eddie. How many coyotes typically, or how many puppies does a coyote typically have? Mm -hmm. He said, depends on the amount of food. Biologically, their bodies, if there's not a lot of food, they will only have two or three. If there's an overabundance of food, they'll have a dozen or 15. Wow. And he said, so if you don't hunt turkeys and you've got an abundance of food, you're going to have have more coyotes. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what's happening at home in southern Missouri. I think so. Because they're doing all this clear cutting, which everybody has to do what they want with their own property. Got to do what they got to do. When you do do all this clear cutting, it produces more food for the predators. Mm -hmm. So that's why you're seeing this sudden burst of predators because there's lots of food for them. And easier to get. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And it's a double-edged sword on clear cutting. I mean, because it you you get the undergrowth 
which is very beneficial to mm-hmm. you know like uh, rabbits and deer and and that. But you take nesting, out nesting. Yeah, nesting, but you take out the the roosting trees for the turkey. Uh, Redbone brought up last week a, a great example of uh, farmers who turned to cattle. Now there's no more fence rows. Which when you take away fence rows, what did you lose? You lost your quail. You lost a lot of rabbit. You lost your pheasant. Mm-hmm. Because there's just no fence rows anymore. Yeah. So, you know, no matter how you change your land, something's going to be affected. Yeah. But I think. And we're not knocking any of that because. No, because no, we're the not. Farmers, no, we, they we do it support out of the necessity. farmers. They do it out of necessity. Like I said last week, I love me a steak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we could blame it on a lot of things. Yeah. So. And it's a compliment. I think the common ground that we've met right here, we've come to a conclusion, us three. Is that we have a problem in Southern Missouri with our turkey numbers? Mm-hmm. I talked to Miss Tilly, uh, the Missouri turkey biologist. Mm-hmm. She's going to be on our show, and we touched on some of these things. She'll share her thoughts with it. But also, I want to share this: John Phillips, outdoor writer, famous outdoor writer. They done a five million dollar study in Southern states here a couple years ago, and th- last year, because their turkey numbers are diminishing. Also. You know what their biggest nemesis was? It's going to blow your mind what I'm about to tell you. You'll never believe what I'm going to tell you. They were shooting their gobblers before the hens ever start getting bred and getting fertilized. They was killing oh. their gobblers before the hens are bred. That's hmm. what they found out in their $5 million study. Wow. And that so, kind of goes back to what I was saying with, with what they did in Ohio when they found out this the breeding cycle. How it changed how many hens and turkeys were being populated. So that had to make a huge yeah. difference. If you think about it, you know, uh, we got people that go out before season and shoot turkeys, and they would thought, oh, man, I'm a turkey killer. Well, you know why? You don't have any competition to kill a turkey before season. Right. And the hens ain't even ready, but the gobblers are. Think about it. If you're a hen, oh, there she is. I'm running to her. You know? Right, you're actually cutting off the hand that feeds your face. Would you agree, Redbone? If you're doing uh, yeah, that? it's you know it's the same th- same thing with deer. You know, somebody a, a wise gentleman told me one time, you kill one doe out of season, you've killed ten or twelve deer off that place. Could be over her lifetime. Yeah, if you're especially if you don't if you're not already overpopulated on does. Now, if you're overpopulated yeah. on does, hey, knock it yourself makes out. Sense well, I'm talking about, it, yeah. but I'm talking about out of I mean doe that are killed out of season. Right. You know, in season, those numbers are somewhat regulated. Yeah. But, but yeah, if if you're killing you know does out of season, you're just you're not killing just that one. You're killing every baby that she might have for the rest of her life. Right. True. Yeah, yeah. People don't any deer left on my place. Well, you kill however, we need <laughs> to manage the no numbers. And you need to oh, absolutely. Ma- I'm about absolutely. to say something here, too. It's going to blow your mind. It's important that we have a fall season. It really is to try to keep things in balance. Right. So keep that in mind. We're going to wrap up the show here, everybody. We've got a bonus segment coming up with uh, Wayne Lack. He pretty much manages the bonus segment. We're going to talk on some other secrets that we used to close the deal on turkeys this past spring. And we want to thank each and every one of you for listening to the show. Thank you for sharing the outdoors with your kids and your friends. It's all about faith, family, friends, the outdoors, and our constitutional rights. Right here at American Roots Outdoors. And remember this, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. God bless you all. Tune in to the bonus segment and uh, tell your friends about us. See ya. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. Thank you.
for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Eagle Seed presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. This is Wayne Luck. I got Alex Rutledge in the studio with me along with Mike <coughs> Trace. And we are going to continue talking turkey, turkey 2021, some of the secrets to success in that. And one of the things we didn't really touch base on during the regular part of the radio show, and if you uh, missed any part of the uh, the radio show, of course, if you're on the podcast, you actually have been able to listen me. to the whole thing, so that's great. Excuse but, me. Uh, that's okay. Alex still has a feather stuck in his throat. <laughs> but uh, Alex, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you during the radio show, but we didn't get a chance to, is how many birds when you were hunting this year, and not only with you yourself, but with your, your uh, clients and your friends that you took out, did you kill over decoys versus not over decoys? Great question. Uh, first thing I want to say, a, a decoy is one of the most lethal weapons you can have in your arsenal for fooling gobblers. If you use the right setups and do the right calls, there's nothing against using a decoy. I have no uh, uh, nothing but good things to say. But when you set a decoy up, you want to set the decoy where you can see at least 100 yards in every direction of that decoy. Purpose of that, if an approaching hunter comes from any direction, you can yell at that hunter and say, hey, that's a decoy. Right. For safety reasons. Next thing is, of all the hunts that we've done, I can think of only three hunts of the seven or eight long bears that we use decoys. The rest of them was without decoys. Okay. Now, were the rest of those in the woods? And that's probably okay. why you didn't use a decoy? Because I know myself, no, no, I don't use no, decoys in the woods because no, I don't like no. a turkey to come around and be surprised that there's one there. No, no. I want them to look. Now, now, think about that. If your woods is flat, they can see the decoy for a long ways. Yeah, if there's not a lot of undergrowth, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, the purpose, I, I just wanted to challenge to uh, some of my hunts why I didn't use a decoy. Mm -hmm. Because I think so many people depend on decoys to close the deal, which it does help you close the deal. Because the gobbler hears the call and he sees the decoy. Oh, that's a turkey. I'm coming in. Well, the real turkey hunter, and I'm not saying this with arrogance, it's just real. The truth. A real turkey hunter that doesn't use decoys knows how to call to a turkey to get him in gun distance. Mm -hmm. I don't have to depend on a decoy. You won't either if you know how to talk to a turkey instead of call to a turkey. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm not telling you not to use decoys. I'm just telling you that I'll, there's times that I will not use a decoy and there's times that I will. Yeah. And uh, I had a buddy of mine when I lived up in Ohio and hunted his place over in PA there, uh, Mark Irwin, who I, Alex, I know you know him. He's the same belief. I mean, he'll use a decoy here and there, like in a field or, you know, an op more of an open area, but um, he likes to run and gun like you do. Um, and uh, he is, uh, I mean, he's a turkey killing machine. And he uh, he's uh, one that's always said a, a, a turkey hunter can do it without the decoy. A turkey hunter can do it with a whole lot of, uh, without a whole lot of stuff if you're doing it the right way. And that's one of the things you always preach know when to call, you know, do your homework, study people, study the right people. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things, you know, he always praised you saying that, you know, he learned a lot from you, you know, during the years, uh, you know, with you on, when you were on TV and that about how you hunted and, and, uh, well, we're still on TV. We just do it on YouTube and right, our website. Right. But I'm saying back in the, you know, the nineties and that yeah, when it was rolling there, every network. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. uh, he said that if you follow the right people, you'll learn so much. And, that's one of the things I, I learned from him, like hunting PA, hunting different areas. Now, like when me and you traveled around and hunted, depending upon where we're at, you had different strategies. 
And that's where somebody who did not have the opportunity to hunt with someone like you or someone like Mark uh, that did a lot of uh, traveling and that, they would not know. If you go to it, like if I went to Kentucky or if I went to uh, Nebraska, remember that Nebraska hunt we had, I would not have known how to hunt that sandy, windy yeah. road along that creek. Yeah. Never would have thought of doing it the way you did it. But now that I've hunted with you, hunted with someone with experience of how to hunt these different areas, mm. man, the knowledge now I can not only for myself, but be able to pass yeah. on to my kids. Yes. You, you know, that's why I say just. Oh, thank you. Take, thank you for the compliment. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the whole point of, of what we do here at American Roots is we want to educate people to help them be successful. That's what we want to do. Right. We also want to witness to people about Christ. That's very important to us. And that being said, none of us are 100% perfect. There's only one man that was Christ. So, uh, we just want to share our knowledge, and not that we know everything because we don't, but uh, sometimes things seem to come together and it works for us. But if I did say one thing that is for sure certain, it would be uh, to the turkey hunters is that you must learn how to talk to them, not call to them. Right. Present the right call at the right time, say the right thing with the right emotion, the right amount of volume. And it's kind of like me talking here on the radio show. You don't hear my voice. If I was monotone like this the whole time during the show, I would lose you. Right. But you hear me talk with passion. You can hear it in my voice. And the turkey feels that in the call the same way you and I do when we're having a conversation. Right. Well, like you've always said, you call a deer, but you hold a conversation with a turkey. Yeah. But I have a conversation with a deer, too. Yeah, but it's not the same because they're not talking it's back not, to you. Well, right? they, they, you know, they can. They can, yeah. and they do with their body. Right. Well, I'm, yeah, but I'm, I'm talking like yeah, they're 100 the yards out. And, yeah, yeah, the yeah, vocalization yeah. part, right. Yeah, it's kind of like elk hunting. You know, you use right. emotion in elk hunting. And uh, I have a question for you two. How many years have we done the show? Uh, what, we're going on about eight? Eight years. Eight yeah, with the radio. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Three with the uh, podcast. Yeah. Been a while. That's quite a while, isn't it? And the American Roots podcast is what two years now, two and a half. We're on our third season. Right third now. season, third right season. now, everybody. Yeah. yeah. But I, I third was, season episode twenty-one. Today. I want you to know I appreciate both of you, and we we're appreciate being here. We're, we're we're starting to grow. We got a lot of people that's uh, talking to us now. I'm growing numbers. out. Yeah, <laughs> you are. I got the COVID body going on right now. COVID body. Well, you know, we couldn't do it. We got a good team here, and things are doing good. And, uh, again, our whole goal is to educate and entertain people. If you can't do that, uh, we're not doing our jobs, right? right. And yeah. speaking of educating, let's jump right into one more educational thing. Okay. When you were calling these turkeys this year, what was your? did you roost the night before every single time? Or did you say, hey, I, I already know, or the person that owns that farm already knows, hey, this is the area they're in all the time? What do you recommend it to new hunters out there? Do they need to roost every single time? Well, it helps for you them to roost to know where the birds are at. Mm -hmm. And you can mark with Onyx. Again, they're not paying us a dime, but I love Onyx because it's— But if they want to pay us a dime, a we'll tool. take it. If they want to, we'll <laughs> take it. It's important to roost birds. That way you know where they're at. That right. way you can use your strategy to get in there on them the next day. And and preferably always have the sun to your back. And always try to get level with them or above them without making any noise. And one of the biggest mistakes most turkey hunters make, and I've watched a lot of people and I've guided a lot of people, they make a lot of noise with their feet, popping limbs, coughing, making noise, going to a turkey. 
Yep, he's still gobbled to you, but he's not going to come to you because he knows those sounds ain't right. He gobbles to attract the hens. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I've I've taught people. I'm not going to name any names this spring about being super quiet. Uh, you got to be super quiet when you're sitting up. If they hear things that's not right, they're still going to gobble, but they're not going to come. And if they do come, they're going to stay way out of range. So yeah. uh, that being said, roosting birds, I don't know of one gobbler that we roosted that we killed the spring okay every bird that we that i called in for people was i just struck them and i found them okay and, but i tell you one of the problems i had this spring and was making turkeys gobble late morning uh, we killed a few late morning but overall usually in the past years it wouldn't be nothing to make a turkey gobble right yeah so yeah now you had talked about uh turkey hanging up and here's a bit of advice i can from experience that I, I wish I would have known a long time ago, and that is if you're hunting an area that you don't know that farm or you don't know that piece of public land, get yourself a topo map. Because two times when I early on in my turkey career, um, I would get birds come in, and, they man, they always seem to hang up, you know, that 60 yards, 70 yards or whatever. Come to find out the reason they were hanging up is there was a, a creek there. There was a body of water there that I did not know about because I did not, I was unfamiliar with that piece of property. But had I had a topo map and done my homework beforehand, or nowadays, shoot, you can do the mm -hmm. the satellite right there on your phone and say, yeah. hey, look, yeah. Onyx. no wonder he's hung up. There's Onyx. A, Onyx, right. No wonder he's hung up. There's a freaking creek right there. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get yeah. on the well, other side of the creek. <laughs> maybe a cross fence you weren't aware of. Right. Yeah. 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 Or a thicket. There's a honeysuckle thicket that he can't get through yeah. or something like that. I'll tell you another thing. Use like, maps. Another thing, we're going to wrap it up here. I want to say something about Onyx. I hope you're listening to Onyx because we believe in you and love you. <laughs> I do too. I need a raise. Yeah, we need, we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need to earn it, Redbone. <laughs> we get enough money and we'll all get raises. But anyway, Onyx can show you property lines and they say it's within 15 feet accurate. Wow. Wow. And believe me, it showed me one of my boundary lines is not where it should be. Somebody's taking more land from me than they're supposed to. So just wanted to share that. It's not me. No. Not I'm much. across the street. Across the street. Yep. Yeah. Across the street. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening to American Roots Outdoors. And, uh, again, if you uh, uh, want to buy any of our apparel, turkey calls, or anything, uh, go to our website, www.americanrootsoutdoors.com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors, Apex Turkey Loads, Ride on Optics, Eagle Seed, Hornady Ammunition, and Denali Rods. And well, make sure you uh, leave a review. Yeah, uh, get entered in these contests. That we got one coming up next week that we'll be drawn on uh, for the review for Knox's episode. So take a listen to that uh, episode with the four-year-old uh, that just completed his Grand Slam. Leave a review on it. Make sure you leave your real name and uh, state that you're from in the review, so we can get a hold of you to let you know you won. But you got a, a heck of a t package coming out to you if you get drawn next week. So you got plenty of time. There's still about five or six days left before we do that drawing. And then uh, listen for it on the air, and we'll contact you via Facebook. Redbone, any last words? Nope. Sounds good. Well, like we say here at American Roots Outdoors, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. <laughs>